0: for Australia. Gold and a world record. Now it's Donovan Bailey trying to pick up runners. Donovan Bailey is putting on the third. He's got it. 9-8-4. A world record for Donovan Bailey and a gold medal.
1: A perfect score. 10.0 for Dasha Camonese. A perfect score. The first time I've ever seen it.
0: In over 100 years, nobody's
1: won as many medals at the Olympic Games in any sport than this great champion, Michael Phelps. Usain Bolt sprinting ahead, winning
0: by daylight, and setting a world record: 9.68. The wind is okay. How easy was that?
1: It is off the podium, and Olympics podcast coming to you once again for another interview, another athletics competitor. I guess you call them athletes, don't you, Ben? Uh, Matthew Denny, discus thrower, just returned back from Tokyo, five centimetres off a medal. Fourth place he finished in the Tokyo Olympics, also competed back in Rio. And this is a great chat with Maddie. You're going to definitely enjoy this one. takes us through how he got involved in the sport, how he very nearly could have uh, pursued a career in another sport completely to follow in the footpath of one of his brothers. And just a great insight into the techniques behind discus throwing, hammer throwing as well. He's uh, heavily involved in the sport of hammer throw, actually medalled at the Commonwealth Games in 2018 in hammer throw. So uh, a very diverse range of skills Maddie has here. And uh, we know you're going to enjoy this chat. Bit of a social media star now maddie denny and you'll hear that straight away that uh, that led to some very interesting messages that he did receive before uh he got out of quarantine recently when he uh, returned back from tokyo so here's our chat with australian discus slash hammer thrower maddie denny So excited for our next guest here on Off the Podium today. Recently just returned from the Tokyo Olympics where he finished fourth in the discus. Also a two-time Olympian, I should say, competed back in Rio as well. Commonwealth Games, silver medalist, World Youth Championship, gold and bronze medalist. And also more importantly, Brandon Stark's roommate. I think we need to uh, clarify (laughs) that one. Main thing right now. Uh, It's a pleasure to welcome Matthew Denny to the show. Maddie. pleasure to have you on the show, mate. How's it going? Good, Benny. How are you? Doing, doing very well, very well. I can imagine you're doing a little bit better though, having just come out of quarantine. I I, freedom. How is it right now to be free and out of a room that you've been in for two weeks? it's been
0: pretty good. Like I've obviously been able to um, walk about and be able to do normal things again, which is nice. Uh, but I also enjoyed the quarantine um, actually a, a fair bit. Actually, just kind it gave me a bit of time to focus on getting back to people's messages and giving me time that I probably wouldn't have had when I got back. With um celebrations and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it was definitely um, nice to get out. Went straight to the Norman, um, had a 600 gram steak and a couple of gins. So it was nice. (laughs) Um, And then yeah, just like, just back to normal now. Um, Got to move house on the weekend. So definitely a big reality check that's for sure. So it's been, it's been good though. It's good being back.
1: Which, I mean, the whole aspect of sort of replying to the messages and everything must have been sort of something unique, because obviously, I can imagine you, you got a lot of support uh, there from how you did it in, in Tokyo. And I obviously sort of in normal circumstances, you might not be able to kind of look through these. So I mean, were you sort of surprised at the amount of messages of support and everything you got after Tokyo?
0: Well, to say the the least, um, my peak time on my phone over the time of uh, quarantine was sixteen hours in one day. Um, wow. So yeah, I know I looked back at it yesterday, and I definitely felt a fair bit of shame. Um, but no, it was just like it was nice to be able to get that like um, engagement with, with everyone, because there were so many people that were new followers and people that were like joining my journey um, from that. Uh, so yeah, it was really nice. It was it was an influx of messages messages. It was insane. Um, and I still, I like, I've kind of forgot about message requests because it, it was just endlessly continuously like growing. And I, I just didn't have the time like it was i spent that amount of time just replying to normal inbox messages from instagram facebook um from emails and like text messages and calls like it was just it was non-stop so yeah i'm glad i had that time um but it was also just pretty awesome to see the amount of support that i got from uh, from the country just with competing and stuff so
1: what What was the weirdest message? Did you get any kind of a uh, little bit strange? I'd oh. thinking like what, what, what the hell's going on here <laughs> um,
0: so i I got a lot of um I got a lot of weird messages for sure. Um, there was a couple that were very, very, very overly sexualized. Um, so <laughs> sorry about you know, that. I got a bit excited. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but yeah, Benny, I was going to talk about it off, but anyway, that's all right. Um, but no, it worked <laughs> out. It was like you know, there was probably about five or six that were pretty full on. Um, but you know, when you're a sex symbol now, it's you know, it's what what can you do? You know, <laughs> you're in tight clothing in athletics, right? It shows a yeah. lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, but no, it wasn't it wasn't too bad like I wasn't too concerned and I just kind of left those messages didn't bother replying so
1: yeah it's all right you can reply to me one day it's fine we'll, we'll, yeah yeah, we'll, I'll try and get back to you yeah no I appreciate that <laughs> I always find it interesting with with build athletes in in athletics kind of how you come to choose a discipline because I mean we all have done school carnivals you kind of give it a crack at everything and some of us go on to sort of do little athletics and everything but how, how do you kind of work out that you want to Do discus, you want to do hammer throw, or was it a case of these are what you were best at and you kind of just tried everything, or was there something more to it when you decided to take up these two?
0: Yeah. I mean, like it is definitely an interesting, um, avenue to go to say the least. Um, but yeah, I was a very athletic kid when I was younger. Um, I played a lot of footy. I did a lot of, um, swimming, athletics, you know, motocross, you name it, I did it. Um, so I was a pretty active kid when I was younger. So it was more the in, um, the fascination and like addiction to to the event itself because of the fact that with throws you have this component of having to be an over overly, um, like good at basically every part of the discipline. So you obviously have to be very good. Technically you have to be a very good weightlifter. You have to be, you know, the balance of a ballerina and a gymnast, you need to have flexibility, you need to be, you know, the most explosive athlete, um, on the planet. Um, and, you know, combine all of those things while not being too heavy, but big enough and building muscle mass. And, you know, there was just so, there's so many moving parts and especially the, the technical aspect of it as well that drew me to it um you know we might be throw um like throwers uh, when we compete but as an athlete in general you're, you're doing everything in between you have to be very good at everything to be able to actually be just good at one thing so it i think that's the addicting side of it is just being there's always different things you can try there's always different athleticism stuff you can do um to get better and it wasn't really hey, I'm just really good at this, let's do this. Like I had plenty of options, um, but I just enjoyed it the most. I enjoyed self-reliability when it came to training and, and development and being self-reliant when it came to my performance and who I could count on. Um, and that was kind of what really, really drew me to it, which was, you know, I guess it's, it's a very unique um, focus for, for anyone in sport, but, you know, I'm glad I chose it.
1: Is is there much crossover when it comes to people sort of picking up discus and hammer throw at the same time? I mean, I guess the the spinning aspect of it is maybe closely related, but I mean, it's kind of not one of these sort of, uh, you know, dual disciplines that I, I feel many people do. I mean, maybe like a long jump and a triple jump, sprinting and a long jump, things like that. But are there many other athletes who kind of focus on discus and hammer throw?
0: So when I was doing disc and hammer at the same, um, at the same time, all the way up until Com Games, I was basically the only athlete that was doing it successfully. Um, I was the only athlete that was at the level that I was, um, and, you know, doing them at major championships and meddling and, um, and like being competitive overall, like being within, especially like, especially when I was younger, like going through the world ranks and stuff, like always being competitive in both in the medals, um, and potential medals and stuff. So yeah. And, even in past history, like um, there's only a couple um, that have done it very well. And I think I'm probably one of the only ones to, you know, I think i am definitely one of the better ones to do it. Um, I don't know why. I think um, that kind of just came down to, my fascination and like the way that I trained and the way that I was so dedicated to it kind of worked well for me. Um, but you know, when I started to focus on just discus, it was it was purely a focus of um, financial. It was just you can make a better living within discus because you're in diamond leagues and um, and hammer isn't. But yeah, they're they're very they're totally conflicting technical aspects because discus you're focusing on a on a wide um wide knee leg sweeping um rotation and it's um more of a yeah it's more of a linear and rotation to lift whereas um with hammer still same aspect but everything has to be much tighter you're really centralized you know you have four turning points Um, as well as a different implement that focuses on length um, of the path and the technical aspects are totally different. Um, So yeah, it's not that they converge. Um, The only ones that do really converge is shot and discus because you can do rotational disc and shot. Um, Well, the only way to throw discus, but you can also do rotational shot. Um, So they're the only two that can you know and the most common ones where people crossover. Um, but the, uh, the older I've gotten, the more I've realized that basically no one does it, only a couple of people have done it successfully. So
1: it's, it's, it's sort of, yeah, just fascinating kind of seeing that crossover. And in terms of like training aspects, you know, outside of the technicalities, is it sort of at least same parts of the bodies, or are you training differently if you've got sort of focusing on a hammer competition more so than a disc competition? Um,
0: there's, they're also, um, uh, very similar training aspects when it comes to like athleticism, when it comes to, you know, weightlifting, um, you know, specific, um, uh, specificity training, um, and all that kind of stuff. The only thing that varies is just the technical, um, and you know, the aspects of the way that you use certain training systems with overloading and, um, underweight, all that kind of stuff, you still have the same principles. Um, they just apply differently with different weights um, and obviously different events. So, yeah, they're, they're quite similar um, in that fact.
1: I, I read that you grew up in a family, one of eight siblings, and it was sort of yep. a very kind of – competitive household you mentioned footy before uh kind of as a kid was the dream to play for the broncos or join the nrl or did you kind of have olympic aspirations as well kind of as, as an athlete as a kid sort of what were you more focused towards uh moving towards yeah so
0: basically my my uh brother jonathan he ended up playing nrl when he was um late teens early 20s and that he was one of um one of the ones that I aspired to be like and play competitive rugby league always, you know, I always had this focus of being a professional sportsman cause I love sport and I was, um, and I just enjoyed the way that, you know, you operate as an athlete and the life that you live. Um, uh, but I, yeah, I originally was going to focus on being a NRL athlete and, um, you know, Broncos or whatever it was, but then athletics kind of took over and I wasn't enjoying the aspects of um, relying on other people when it came to team team sports and, um, you know, especially the injury and longevity aspect of it as well. Um, not that I was scared of getting injured, but I just didn't want to waste my time in putting so much effort into it where you can literally get injured off of, like sweet nothings from someone doing a dirty tackle on you and completely ruining your career. And then it's like, Oh, okay. Whereas within throws, obviously you still have the, the, um, the potential to get injured and and have those threatening career injuries. But, um, you know, if you're a smart athlete and you train the right way and have a good support crew, um, they it's way less likely. Um, and I just enjoyed the, like everything about athletics more and you can travel, you can, you know, live a very exotic life in being a European traveler consistently every year. Um, and also, you know, the most pure competitive thing that you can do when it comes to mental strength and preparation and, you know, it's it's an absolute thrill to be able to compete at the Olympics because there's so much that goes into it, um, and it's only once every four years, so it's a very rare, very intense experience to go through.
1: Did you have sort of a, a moment when you started to represent the state, represent Australia, going to things like World Youth Championships, things like that, where the Olympics was the end goal? Was this kind of something that all of a sudden it clicked in into gear that hey, this is I can achieve this, I can become an Olympian.
0: Well, I think that when I started the sport, I obviously did half decently, but I wasn't really coached. I But then I went to state champs in grade six and seven, got dead last in the state. So, you know, I wasn't like this freak that just was good from the get-go. Um, but then I got a coach in grade eight and went from there. But then I made the decision to stop doing everything else and solely focusing on athletics in 2011. And then two years later, One World Youth. But basically whatever I was doing and it still even applies to everything that I do these days. Um, if I'm going to do it, I want to be the best at it and I don't know why that comes in my brain, but like if I'm going to do something, it has to be the fullest of my potential and, um, and I have, I put everything into it. I can't, I'm not very good at like half half assing things basically. Um, and, yeah, that's basically what where I went from and, you know, went into athletics and world youth. Let's win world youth, world juniors. Let's try and win, win world juniors. And, you know, the end goal was to be a double Olympic champion in men's disc and hammer in the same championships because obviously never done before. Um, but it was, you know, that's obviously changed over time. But I always wanted to be the best to say the least.
1: Which it must be an incredible experience then to go to a world youth championships in the Ukraine, you know, a place that none of us will probably ever get to go to in our lifetime unless you are uh, maybe. Don't, don't recommend don't... it. Don't don't recommend the Ukraine. Don't Not recommend the... it, no. All right, there goes our Ukrainian listeners, but it's all right. We didn't like them anyway. I mean especially um, where we went it for World Youth, that whole place has been
0: bombed like three months after we had the World Youth chance. The whole airport got was like they call it the War of the um and the Battle of the Airport and stuff. So, wow. like, so actually, you know, Warzone, right? Yeah, yeah. So the game. So yep. that whole area is based off of the dance. Uh, really, not Verdansk, off of um, where we Don- were in Donetsk in Donetsk, uh, Ukraine. Yeah. So that whole war is basically what, um, um where our world youth was and what Warzone is currently. Wow.
1: You trendsetters. Yeah. You basically. I know made how something. weird, right? <laughs> yeah, two I months, know. Oh, two months later, the whole stadium wasn't there. It was all all bombed and, and wrecked. Wow, that's crazy yeah. to think that. Jeez, uh, yeah. change has change, changed the perspective then. So your you golden bronze that you basically have a more of a collector's item now because the place doesn't exist pretty much anymore. <laughs> basically, yeah. Yeah, but what was that like to be able to go to an event like that? Because you won a world youth championship before you ever won a a national championship. I mean, it kind of usually goes the other way around, doesn't it? That's been pretty crazy.
0: Oh, no. So so I still won, well, uh, like nationals and stuff. So so the way that I progressed, so basically when I got dead last in the state, that was grades six and seven. And then I carried on and about six months later, I went from dead last in the state to second in the country and then a couple of years i think the year after i won nationals and then yeah and then i won um so i won six gold medals at 2013 nationals which was in both under 18 and under 20 so i did shot disc hammer under 18 shot disc hammer in under 20s wow. um so i went Has that from ever there been and done before my, uh not in not in not in the throws events i know that but i'm pretty sure not really wow. i think it was a pretty um, yeah, no, it was good. It was good fun. I was so, I was cooked after that, that comp. Cause I like when I was younger, and as we all when we were younger loved Red Bull, um, and care about the side effects of it. And yeah, after you do two, two Red Bulls per comp, and by the end of six events after like seven days, whatever it was, um, yeah, I was basically like sweating, hot, cold, half temperature. Um, the last comp that I did, I rocked up, I looked like a ghost. Um, so, yeah, do not take that much Red Bull.
1: That is the secret yeah. to success. That is, don't do it. <laughs> just don't
0: do it. I, got, I became such a better athlete after it when I didn't take it. So
1: <laughs> That's the secret why Daniel Ricciardo left Red Bull. It wasn't because, you know, he wanted a, a new challenge. He wanted to just stop drinking risks. the damn product. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> screw this. Like, you know, yeah. I'm going to Renault. I Drink French <laughs> wine rather than drinking Red Bull all the time. You're not- by real stuff. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But, I mean, what... To win, that's fascinating to win, sort of the triple, triple, essentially, kind of there with that. Mm. Because obviously, you know, on on the world stage, you, you talk hammer and discus, but when it comes to shot, I mean, were you t- like, how do you choose between them? You obviously mentioned before the discus came down to sort of more of the diamond league, but did you did you like one more than the other, really? And you were kind of disappointed you couldn't continue, sort of maybe the the shot or the the hammer.
0: So I could have gone to world youth for, um, all three, so I was qualified for both shot, disc, hammer, um, but wasn't allowed to, I had to pick two but i always was predominantly i never trained for shot i i literally did it once uh well i did it for states i did i did one session before state champs and then i'll do state champs and then i'll do nationals that were my three comps um but uh, because like of my technique that i built when i was younger um through discus and then swapping to a rotational shot throw they both applied pretty pretty well the only thing was the hand was in a different place so Um, yeah, I didn't really enjoy shot that much. Um, as far as I didn't train for it. Um, and then, yeah, I just enjoyed, I enjoyed the flight factor of discus and, and the, the building of momentum in hammer. I just loved it. It was, and I still do miss hammer. Um, but I know that, um, discus is definitely where I need to be at right now. Um, so yeah, it was kind of, it was kind of just, you know, I knew what I wanted to do and then, when I was a proper professional doing it, I had to focus on something that was really going to bring bread to the table and something that um, I still enjoyed. Um, so it wasn't like I was selling off because of um, because of that. Like I genuinely was doing better in discus at the time, and it was just a better choice for me. So
1: how how heavy is a hammer? In terms of when you're doing, because they, they look bloody heavy, I can't imagine that. Yeah, a, seven point two six. Wow. Okay. Same, same
0: as same as the men's shot, um, which is sixteen pound. So wow. they changed all the records over and everything to kilos, and it went to that.
1: And what about a discus? How how heavy is a is the disc? Two kilo, two kilo. Two kilo. Flat. it's a bit of a difference there, really, when it comes yeah, to sort of way the, way different. The weight <laughs> side of things. So in the lead up to Rio um do yep. you remember the moment that you had thrown your qualifying? because i believe you went to the us for for a bit and and yeah. eventually threw a qualifying uh throw i mean kind of what was that like when you eventually had reached that target and boom you're an olympian at that point
0: yeah so basically we did a we did a um us season and then came back just short i had 64.88 um in that season and then i needed 65 to qualify and i wasn't going to get through on the top 32 rankings and just with that because it was so tight um and yeah so i said nah stuff it i'm gonna fork out the cash i'm gonna go back i'm gonna do it and i flew back competed three days later got the quali did another comp the next day but it was terrible because i had one hour of sleep because i was that hyped up um but yeah it was it was rio was more about getting to rio than what it was actually competing i still thought that i was competitive um and should have made the final at rio Um, but it was a totally different circumstance to what Tokyo was where I was, you know, qualifying wasn't the issue. It was how well could I do? Um, I actually had the chance to prepare and uh, be ready for that. So yeah, it was, it was disappointing um, the fact that I didn't do as well as what I wanted, but um, you know, no one, there was only like two other people that had ever thrown further than me at that age with the open weight. So, I mean, I can't complain too much and, I needed to, so like my end goal is um, one of the end goals I have being a track and field athlete is that um, I really want to make five Olympics, five Olympics. So um, I want to be able to make 2032 in Brisbane, which would be my last Olympics ever. That'd be five. Um, I would never compete after that comp, um, but no one's ever made five in track and field ever. So, wow. That's kind of the goal and Rio was part of that. I had to make Rio to make that possible. Otherwise, it would have made it way more difficult. And very, Yeah. It's
1: it's fascinating to kind of think that you can bookend that though with a with a home Olympics. Uh, I mean, that's, that, yeah, that's I crazy. Isn't it? I mean, perfect timing for them to announce at Brisbane. You must have just gone, wow, okay, well, that's a yeah, perfect uh, way to close out my career. <laughs>
0: if I, yeah, if that all goes to plan, like if I continue the way I am and keep progressing and stay um, uninjured and be smart about that, Um I have a solid, amazing team around me, which will get me there. Um, yeah, mate. I'll the last throw that I do at that comp, um, if I make it. It will be the last throw of ever
1: day. That's fascinating, fascinating. Well, we, we know it's going to happen, uh, Maddie. We, we're definitely going to hold crossed, out hey, for that. Yeah. <laughs> but when it came to the whole experience in Rio, we always like to hear from our guests, kind of just um, outside of the competitive section of being in the Olympics, kind of just the the Olympic you know, feeling. Yeah, get the everything. real talk, eh? Hey? Get the real yeah, talk. The real yeah. talk. I mean, it's because it, obviously you've got that unique distinction too where you had Rio, which is, quote, a normal game. Tokyo, obviously, a little bit different. But are you able to sort of soak in the atmosphere of being an Olympian, sort of live around the village, kind of, you know, bump shoulders with the world's best and kind of take it in and what it is to be an Olympian outside of competing?
0: Yeah, it's funny. I'm one of those guys that... um I'm not like, I don't, I'm not very fangirly kind of um, personality. Like obviously, you obviously see large amounts of top athletes, but I don't like, my God, I need to go get a photo with them. Um, so it's, you know, I, for me at the end of the day, I'm there to compete and like that is the job that is what I'm there to do. And, I, I refrain from doing a lot of things just in the focus of that and saving myself, saving my legs, saving my energy and, you know, putting my focus into what I need. So, you know, Tokyo and Rio were very, very different. We thought Rio was going to be the worst. Um, and it was kind of up from there for what Tokyo was supposed to be. and. Uh, it would have been, but obviously we were very wrong, and and over definitely proved us wrong. So, um, but you know it, it was still an amazing comp. Like at the end of the day, if if you're not a if you're not ready to compete, no matter what the circumstances, like I think you're it probably doing the wrong thing. So, but at the same time, you know the Olympic Village and the free food and the free staff and like you know just everyone. The cool thing about being, I think, about being an Olympian is that there's always that instant recognition and like um, respect between all the athletes is because everyone understands of what they're going through or what they've gone through um, their dream. And everyone's at the same level. Everyone understands what, what that is to them and what it looks like at the same time. So it's kind of that tip the cap, you know, well done. You got here kind of, kind of stuff. So I think that's the most enjoyable part about it. But yeah, especially Tokyo was very, was so much more intensified with being focused on competing, making sure you don't put yourself in a vulnerable position with COVID and protocols around that. So it, it was a very, and we, and even with like, you know, myself, Brandon Stark, um, shooing McSwain, Curtis Marshall, like we were all in the same room and we had a meeting before we all got in there. It's just like, don't put the team at risk. And, Curtis got unlucky with someone close contacting him, um, with you know, without his um ability to stop it because Kendricks came up and hugged him from behind out of nowhere, um, and just being you know, overly friendly, friendly. Whether but Curtis was like, dude, get off of me. Um, so that was stressful, um, different games because of that. But at the end of the day, um, we all still was, you know, it was nothing to complain about.
1: After Rio and your performance kind of what did you take from that competition in order to strive to go that that next step in terms of be it uh, you know, going to more major championships, uh, you know ultimately meddling at the Commonwealth Games and then aiming towards getting a, f- a final spot at an Olympics and then potentially pushing for a medal? did you take any extra steps in the, in the training in, in the progression? Uh, kind of like what were you working on in the five years between the games?
0: The way that my training changed was quite phenomenal just because I ended up changing coaches in 2018. So I, 2017, I had a terrible year. I threw terrible. I was on the, a large decline. It was just because my training wasn't quality that it should have been like, it was still quality. I was training my bum off, but, um, it just wasn't working like the way that we were training. So you know, end of 27, oh, like midway through 2017, I had, um, changed S and C's. Um, changed my whole support crew and brings a few more people on in just regards to like professional help with nutritionist and s and c and sports psych and you know all of these things um and then just kept progressing from there um and yeah it was just i lost 15 kilos leading into com games now, it was never that i i had to change anything it was a good change that i made in 2017 but like when I went to Rio I knew that I could be competitive and I knew that you know the gold was doable like that's a possibility I felt comfortable I wasn't intimidated by guys being bigger than me and I reiterated that fact in Tokyo I just totally confirmed all my thoughts and I thought that I should have done better I thought I should have meddled um, Tokyo but well and all well and good to say it now, but yeah, it's, it wasn't that anything changed. It was just that I made a few modifications, um, validating what I was and improving on things slightly. So,
1: the whole Commonwealth Games experience must have been unique. I mean, we talk about a home Olympics, home Commonwealth Games, uh, you know, obviously a Queenslander. In Queensland and everything, you get the silver and the hammer, fourth in, in the discus. And I believe you were the, the first Australian in 68 years to compete at a Commonwealth Games in both hammer and discus. I, I mean, what was that experience like? And to come away with a Commonwealth Games medal, I mean, kind of does that rank up there with a the World Youth Medal? Is it more prestigious in your eyes? Kind of how did you take away yeah. from that experience?
0: Yeah. Com games, I think was, um, a very, a big highlight of my what the occasion was and being home games. And it was, it was incredible. Like I, it's hard to describe being able to, you know, stadium of 60,000 people and be able to name probably like 500 of them. Um, just with like people, you know, that you grew up with family support crew, like everything, like everyone was there. Um, it was disappointing because of the fourth, um, that killed me because I failed a throw that would have got me silver. Um, clearly, but and I, but yeah, to miss out on that op to just make that kind of history, I would have been the first ever, I think first ever to ever medal in both discus and now that was disappointing. Um, but the whole experience in a, in a hole was amazing men, you know, the hammer was, a, gr- a great experience and you know there was a lot of um, there was a lot of story behind that with the way that the comp went down and the crowd reacted and the way <laughs> you know that that still gives me goosebumps thinking about it um yeah so hopefully brisbane can
1: I'm sure it will. Yes, yeah. <laughs> like, be, be, I think the gab is slightly bigger than Metricon, right? So it kind of might, yeah. uh, you know.
0: Well, I, I'm trying to work out where there's chat. I think there's chat about putting it um, in like north side, so not at the gabber because I think the gabber is going to be like the main, like the opening ceremony and stuff. Kind of but like I love that they did the in Rio kind of. Separate yeah, but them I think the right. athletics track is going to be separate. So I don't know where it is. I think it might be somewhere north. Interesting. Maybe one of the race courses or something. I don't know.
1: Maybe, maybe you can just you know. I was going to say you can just you know sneak off to the gabba between now and twenty thirty two and just get get used to it. Uh, basically, yeah. Just get, a,
0: just get a feel. Just go. Just go do some t twenty for a laugh. Yeah, exactly. Join yeah. the heat. Hit the no, lines, boys. Up. Yeah, it'd be exactly, fine. Hey, boys. I just want
1: to get some experience. I yeah. don't know how to play, but we'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that like it. finals coming yeah, up. We'll I'm right, sure that that appreciate it. Uh, so, at what point then was that decision made between Gold Coast and and Tokyo to switch solely on on on, on discus was it kind of just a case as you're saying the financial reasons it was like okay i've got to focus on one and kind of was it a difficult decision to kind of put hammer behind you
0: i think what was frustrating me and i remember the day that i decided it so i went in europe competing and men's hammer was on in the morning and then i had to do the men's discus directly after and i was in really good form for both especially discus and being competitive that way um but it just you know the killer the fact that i was i was quite tired for discus after that and not to be competitive and uh, i remember walking out and my um partner mia she was standing there and she was coaching me because she came over doing the trip with me and i just walked out and i said can't keep doing both wasting opportunities and I can make more money in, a, in disc. I was really eating at me. Um, so I remember making that decision and then by the time I got back from Europe that trip, which was, I said I'll put down Hammer until meantime. I thought that I was going to go back to it after Tokyo, but now and the big thing a, a year later, I just said, no, nah, I'm not going to bother. I'll definitely go back to it. I just don't know when.
1: So in terms of sort of, the lead up to Tokyo with the delay, uh, you got injured sort of at the end of 2020 and kind of, I yep. guess, worse timing to kind of in a, and what you wouldn't generally be a lead up to an Olympics at that point. So was, was it a case of that this was a more of a, a hindrance or did it actually end up helping kind of have an extra year for Tokyo?
0: Um, Well, I mean, if Tokyo went ahead um, at the right time, then I wouldn't have been injured. Um, It would have lasted out. uh, It would have been well after Tokyo had happened. But, yeah, I think it ended up working well for me anyway. I hated it, but I think it ended up working well um, in regards to performance and just a bit more time to just bridge the gap between a few guys. Um, But... Yeah, that injury kind of immobilized me for about four months um, in regards to training and being able to throw and improve on my throws um, because I was only, I wasn't able to throw without pain. And it was a very, very tricky injury to deal with because it was all, you know, abdominal and rib base, which is where all my power comes from when it comes to delivery and all of that movement pattern. So. Yeah, it worked well that it was a year later. I didn't like it, and you know we obviously missed out on the European season last year, and then the rib injury made me miss out on the European season this year. So I missed a lot of money, um, and earning potential with that, and also just competitive experience with a lot of those guys because, you know, it's a different thing when you're throwing sixty five here and versing guys that are throwing fifty meters compared to where like you know you're in mid to, um, high pack, um, in the competitive scene. So, you know, it really, really helps you to learn when to step up and, um, and teaches you harder throws because you can't, you can't replicate those situations. You throw way harder when you're in those, um, in those competitive environments. Whereas, you know, when it's here and there's not many people in the crowd and, you know, you're basically versing yourself, um, kind of difficult to say the least. So,
1: you mentioned working with a sports um, psychologist before. How, how important is the mental aspect in the throwing sports in athletics? Because I, I can imagine it's sort of one of these things where you probably know you can throw further. you just got to kind of get into that zone. I mean, is how important does it end up being?
0: Um, I think if you go look at the scorecard from the Olympics and the consistency and execution side of things, um, I was definitely by far the most executed most consistent um most competitive person um in that field and i know that you know i mean it sounds full of myself to say it but it's it's nice to know that you know when it counted i was able to step up be in pb form throw to the best of my ability and then some um, and do it from round one so and that comes from my sports like and that comes from all the work that i do around building my mental aspect and like being as bulletproof as possible and just focusing on the things that count when you need it and just executing simple things. So it's funny how um, how simple it actually is um, at the end of the day. Um, your brain just loves to complicate it and think about more things because your, ba- your brain wants to be able to control the situation in, in those kinds of environments. So it thinks that overthinking is the key to, to being consistent and to being um, you know, a competitive athlete, but it's actually, you've done all lot work. It's just basically executing simple cues and, and being an animal and just going for it. Like it, the, I think the scariest thing for everyone, especially in Olympics is to, especially in throws um, and field events, because it's, there's so many technical aspects that you could, you know, dwell on. It's just actually how hard can you commit to being scared um, of what could be. And if anyone says that they're not nervous or, um, you know, like, tense or anxious about the event or whatever they're lying to you so um it's just basically can you stare that in the eye and just step up and go for it so that was i was really happy with that in tokyo that was what i was happy that i did um obviously i'm annoyed that i didn't find a little bit more elevation on my throws where i could have probably got that 68 but at the end of the day like i was missing throws but because i was committing i was still throwing I've never done a series like that before in my life. And that was from getting in good form and just basically committing um, as much as I possibly could to what I could control. So,
1: And I can imagine that progression, though, because you threw a PB to qualify for Tokyo and then to kind of end Tokyo with another PB. I mean, it obviously must be, as you're talking about, that progression that you're moving on up. So by the time you get to that fifth Olympics in Brisbane, you're going to be throwing, you know, a a kilometre, basically, by that progression over 11 years. Yeah,
0: I think um, probably the other... The other thing that's killing me is that with that injury, I t- basically lost four or five months Right, um, of full training. And then basically when we finished that, we fixed that, then it was rebuilding from there. So we only had like three to four months of full prep um, towards actually competing at Tokyo. Whereas usually I would have six to, no- ah, six to nine, even 10. Um, and yeah, the form we were in in October, if we were able to add what we did um, over that after the injury, if we were able to add that onto what we did in October, then I think Tokyo would have been a completely different story um, as well. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's all well and good in hindsight and stuff. But, yeah, it's, it is very good. Like, we just confirmed everything. Like... We know that my technique is um, one of the best now and we don't really need to, we just need to consolidate and our peaking processes is, is basically nearly perfect. And um, we also have a lot of other training um, ideas and systems that we can add in to give more. Um, like we didn't really, t- eccentrics is a big part. Um, To building high amounts of power. Um, for all those people who know, um, are deep in S and C stuff, it's basically time under tension that creates more muscle recruitment throughout your body. And the more muscle recruitment that you have, the more power output you have, especially, and that's very high, um, essential when it comes to throws. And yeah, we didn't We weren't able to do as much as what we wanted to slash any because of, uh, that we had. So yeah, it's, there's a lot of good and there's a lot of bad, um, frustrating points to deal with, but in a whole, it's it's extremely positive. So,
1: when it when it comes to sort of the qualification to get into the final, obviously you, you need to throw it long enough distance to make it into the top 12 to get into the final. But is there also a case of kind of reserving a little bit in, in the tank so that you don't kind of just go out and do what you best can do in a qualifying and then kind of have an empty tank in the final, or is there kind of a balancing act there that you're going to got to work on in order to get into the final and then go into that final and push towards that medal?
0: Well, yeah, it's qualifying is a tricky base because there's a lot of people that become, um, large head cases, um, when it comes to competing and overthinking it because you only have three throws and you know, oh, I don't want to waste my energy, but then I don't also want to not try enough. And that's where people come into the issue of like underperforming and, um, and really like cooking their throws is by overthinking that. Like for me, it was just basically, you know, I knew I was in, amazing form and that i was able to throw 65 plus with with ease which i did um and you know yeah the auto call 66 but nine times out of ten it'll be you know 63 meters that will get you through to the final so it's just it's just throwing calm enough where you can have a good throw um and be able to place yourself in the final um if you need to step it up a little bit you can but like i was kind of I was kind of like that 85, 90 percent. Um, but usually, the best throws come from that anyway. So it's a very tricky thing to deal with uh, for a lot of people. I felt quite comfortable, and it was—it was—you know—it's still stressful because you haven't competed at a major since. September 2019. So, um, and obviously there was a lot of anticipation for this. So, I think a lot of people definitely overcooked themselves and warmed up too much. And it was very early. So, um, you know, competing at 9 30 in the morning is like the last thing you want to do for throws because you want to be able to be awake, your neural system, c- c- like a fully awake and um, alert. And that's why you saw such bigger throws in the final than what you did in the qualifying. So, yeah. I think I think it would have changed a lot of things if you if they held the qualifying in the afternoon. That's so for sure.
1: Is there much sledging in discus? Do you do you kind of walk past the uh, the athletes and give them a, you know a bit of a dirty sort of word here and there? Uh, you know, between between your throws.
0: This is a good question. So, I'm a big advocate for competitiveness. Now there's a difference between competitive chat and sledging. Um, Now I refer to sledging as in like cricket sledging, right? So like, you know, just, or like cricket sledging or footy sledging, like just very aggressive um, and very, um, just, you know, aggressive basically and you know i i don't sledge i throw competitive chat um (laughs) no but i just have no i think i just bring i bring like that australian um you know joking around sarcasm to the to the comp um and you know europeans are very literal people so some of them don't take it well um but i just like i think i unsettle a lot of those guys because of the fact that um you know, I, i I mean, my history of competing in major championships, I'm always like in good form, PB form, performing counts, kind of thing. But I think it's also because of the fact that I'm so relaxed compared to those guys. I throw like a lot of fun chat and joke around. And, um, but when I come to throwing and then if anyone watches back the Olympics and the way that I competed, I was having a lot of fun in between rounds, but when it comes to that two minutes, three minutes before I'm about to throw, I'm like laser level focused and, you know, very um, aggressive in that fact. But when I'm, yeah, when I'm walking around, like um, I have, some of them are my mates and like, you know, Australian mates chat is always, you know, very fun. And um, very, uh, you know, just just stupid basically. <laughs> but then there's some guys that if you're not mates with them, they don't really get it. And they're just kind of, um, you know, like, what are you doing? Um, but the other thing about it is as well, like, you know, if you aggressively sledge someone, people know that they, you're sledging them and it do, it's not effective. But if you do stuff like very simple um, subliminal, oh, not subliminal, but like subtle chat, like it just, it's more about, um, you know, okay, here's an example. So basically you're sitting in a, like in a classroom, right? When you're at school, yep. you know, you're sitting there and everyone starts laughing, you don't know what's happening. And yep. you kind of like laugh, that uncomfortable, like I feel out of the circle kind of stuff. Yep, yep. It's creating that if you can create that in in chat and talking to people it really unsettles them and it's quite funny to watch and you know the reason that i enjoy bringing that and it's not like you know at the end of the day it's it's you versus me it's you know you know we're, we're searching for you know the glory of winning and stuff and i think that creating that competitiveness between each other helps one better performances for the sport people watch the sport more as well as a little bit of rivalry i enjoy rivalry i enjoy the the tense moments between because then it makes me lift um when it comes to competitiveness um and also like it that's why a lot of people watch, um, you know, team sports and fighting and all that sort of stuff, because there's always that you versus me com- competitive rivalry kind of stuff. Um, and I think that athletics needs more of that. Um, it's all, everyone's so friendly. Oh my God. Amazing work. Great throw. But like, mate, if I was sitting in, f- if I was sitting in first and someone came and beat me in the last round and I had to respond to that, there is no way you think I'm going to say great throw. Well done. Yeah, maybe after the comp, I'll say congrats, like, like you know, very well done, and I'll I'm happy to sit and have a beer with them or whatever. But in that comp and in that moment, you should be absolute caged animal. Like, you've literally taken so much away from me. But when I see people being that overly um, friendly in a competitive environment, really irritates me because I'm like boys, we're all against each other here at this point in time. We can have beers after and we can have great chats. But right now, I do not like you. You do not yeah. like me. Let's <laughs> compete and make this like, let's make this a battle kind of thing. Um, yeah. So I like trying to bring that. And I, I think I did that in Tokyo because, you know, yeah, I was like- like say vice hiding it right like you know obviously he got me by five centimeters but just like fun stuff like he was he was walking around um with this massive ice back uh like esky i don't know what was in it it was completely pointless and i was like i was just like i was like mate you going for a picnic or something and he like just literal like so literal uh um, uh european he 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 goes oh yeah, yes. I I have a couple of sausages and beer. And I was like and then I was just like, All right, mate. And then he didn't know how to like react to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, just stuff like that. Like I thought that I, I just, wow. it's just harmless fun, right? Like you're not, you know, you're not, I'm not saying, you know, F you or like you're an idiot or like you're terrible or this sport or like something about their mum. Like I'm not throwing that. It's just the subtle stuff. Like I remember, um, sorry to continue on, but. Um, no, I'm loving this. Wa- Keep going. This is like to spend all day in, uh, listening to this. <laughs> in Doha 2019, I remember um, one of the boys was talking to me. He's very overly friendly uh, athlete anyway. And I was getting annoyed. I was just like, mate, shut up. Stop talking to me. I'm like, I'm getting ready for this comp. We're already in the past the first round. And it was, you know, it was, it was literally like we were having a beer, just sitting back and chatting. And I was just like, mate, stop talking and he kept chatting and I was like, you know, not really paying attention. I was thinking, Oh, what can I say? And obviously in Doha, the hottest place on earth and you know, never rains. And I go, Oh mate, did you see the forecast supposed to rain in about five minutes? And he goes, what? And he's looking up in the sky and he's like, in Doha? I said, yeah, man. Like it's like the one time out of the year it rains, but it's about to like pour down like 50 mils. So like get ready to throw because it might get wet. Mate, I just stood up and walked off and, Old mate didn't know what was going on. He was like really? looking around in the sky and like <laughs> I think he was like trying to dry his shoes, ready just in case because <laughs> the comp's gonna get wet. <laughs> just like it was just like, mate, come on, stop talking to me. I will wow. like say stupid stuff to you like that, but it's yeah, it's it's very soft. If uh, for a lot of other people listening to this, but it's enough to make people a bit unsettled. So
1: I like it. No, I I I, I always love finding this out in sports. I mean, I think you got an advantage too, being Brandon Sarks' roommate. I'm sure his brother. Gives and some tips of what they do out there on the cricket field. Oh, 100%. So. I just think like it also,
0: you know, it's just, I think it's just fun. Like it's it makes it more competitive and people, you know, realise they're in, in a competitive environment. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, you know, you can still be a, a, a nice person and a friendly person, um, but... In a competitive environment, like no one cares. No one cares if you're like this really friendly dude. Like everyone wants to win. It's just who wants it more and who wants to compete better.
1: It actually it makes more sense now that I think about it. With with um, Nicola McDermott writing in a diary, that was actually just a psychological thing because everyone was questioning what's she doing, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, this is why she's just kind of people were put. She was putting people off, and it worked. She won a silver medal. Yeah,
0: it's no like no joke. Like it's it's the simplest things that can throw people. Like and at the end of the day, no, no matter whether you're nervous or not, no one knows. It's it's how you present yourself. So, um, you know, stuff like that. You know it get it piques people's interest away from what they're focusing on doing um and yeah especially like say for example the the water thing it just puts their attention on something else would you say attention on something else in a split second in a competitive environment like that you're already 20 meters behind eight ball so
1: perfect love it i'm loving these insights of it. You, you just mentioned <laughs> it there maddie um five centimeters Five centimeters mm. off a medal. Uh, I mean, your last throw, six seven oh two, your personal best. Great yep. throw, but I mean, it's obviously been a few weeks now. But how do you look back on it? Do you walk away going fourth in an Olympics personal best, great, or is it the five centimeters? And now you just look at a ruler and go fuck five centimeters. That's my like least yeah, favorite yeah.
0: measurement now. I um, there's a yeah, there's a lot of a lot of mixed emotions. I'm I'm obviously very happy with the way that I was very competitive and I took it to them from round one, and you know I was. You know, by far the most consistent and i threw a pb and you know i'm happy with that but i'm also annoyed in the fact that i still felt that i had a lot more and if, if anyone's ever watched me throw before you know if i've completely nailed one and i didn't show that and i i didn't feel that either um so that is that's eating away at me i felt that i did have a 68 there and um i was informed to do that and potentially even um push the lead so that's, that is frustrating me. Um, I missed out on a lot with five centimeters. I hate calculating it all up, but I definitely missed out on a lot um, when it comes to that. So yeah, and you know, I look back at the way that the competition happened. The only thing that I would change is if, um, if I was able to get that cue that I changed in round five and six to make me throw further earlier. If I got that earlier, I think it would have been a way different um, ball game. But hindsight is a lovely thing sometimes.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, so explain what that cue is, like kind of what is that moment that kind of does make you sort of change it up a little bit?
0: So the cue that I changed um, technically was basically when I was landing in the center of the circle, so just before delivery, I was just shifting my eye line towards my right hand a bit more. So what that creates is more um, sling on the discus, so you create more tension through abdominals and... able to basically lag the throw with your shoulders more so you know if anyone knows golf it's it's simple to explain in golfing terms is you're creating an x factor basically especially when you're landing within the in the center of the throw so you're trying to create shoulder to hip separation um, and have a tall um, tall spine and creating tension that way basically what i was doing was i was coming too early with the shoulders and that's creating less sling less um abdominal tension and you're basically throwing the throw too early so you know it's like having a slice or a hook like you're just not getting everything into that throw and the timing of that and so i changed my eyesight on those last two throws and originally i wasn't supposed to i wasn't that wasn't the cue and i was doing drills i'm like this is the missing cue and i did it and immediately like the 66 that i did i didn't hit well at all i just the queue made that much of a difference um so yeah so that was basically what i changed um and if i even that 67 if i just got a touch more elevation like it was still a little bit too low and a little bit too flat um yeah i, I think it would have definitely been a lot more and a lot of people obviously saying five centimeters from bronze but i was also only 30 centimeters from silver um so you know and that's that's sweet nothings and discus that's for sure so yeah, it's it was frustrating, but I also confirmed a lot of things in my processes, and I know that I'm one of the best there is now. Um, and it's you know it's just finding that the next comp and building on what we have now. That's the great part is we can build on this. Um, it's it's just continuously up from here if we if we do the right things.
1: Because it's just that spurring on, I can imagine, sort of towards Paris. But, I mean, sort of in the meantime, you know, next year's going to be unique in the fact that there's a Com Games and World Championships in the same year mm. and kind of building on that sort of success. So, I mean, I guess kind of, yeah, there's that slight disappointment you don't walk away with a medal. But, I mean, it's got to be that confidence that you're continually building and you've got three more Olympics to go, Maddie. So, I mean, you've got plenty yeah. of time to sort of get the bronze, silver, then gold.
0: Yeah, exactly. Just time it out. Um, I think so basically for, um, for discus and for throws in general, like your peak age is between 28 and 32. Um, so that's kind of the age that you're going to, that you need to work with, with, um, you know, knowing when you should be in your peak form. Some people find it a little bit after, like, it doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what we're looking at at the moment. I think by the time I get to Brisbane, um, I, I'd be very surprised if I was holding my peak form for that long. I think I could maybe hold it to 33, 34, 36 though. Don't know. Um, depends how, depends how uh, well my uh, coach con- continues to condition me. And you know, especially when you get older, that's the other issue is like, is your adaptiveness to training. Um, you always, the older you get, the less responsive you get to training, which then you may need to improvise and make, new training systems and new exercises and new things that shock your body to be able to improve. Um, and a lot of that needs to come out when you're starting to go on the decline because you know, that's what you need to keep up on that new level. So I'm not excited for that time frame, but um, for the moment, like we're progressing well. So it's, it's kind of like Paris's, Paris will be kind of like the start of my peak age and then LA will kind of be still peak age-ish and then Brisbane will kind of be dying off a bit. So,
1: We talked to Riddy and uh, Ridian Cowley recently about sort of the, the camaraderie that was within the athletics team during... Tokyo, and it just really seemed to be very high-spirited. I mean, obviously, y- you got sort of a lot of publicity during Brandon's uh, event that you were wearing the Brandon Starks' roommate, and yeah. so it's just like the the camaraderie we-, we saw from the team cheering on the events. I mean, the athletic team walkway away with three medals. It was a great sort of turnaround, and outside of that, you know, a lot of personal best, a lot of, you know, national records and everything on the lines. I mean, just how was that to kind of be part of that team in, in-, in Tokyo? You-, you all just seemed so very close-knit, the whole tournament.
0: I think that one made it the closest was because of the fact that everyone was very known and focused on being for the team because if anyone slipped up and put anyone in that compromising position, which, um, you know, we learnt uh, very aggressively from what happened with Curtis and obviously not Curtis's fault, but if anyone else put the team in that position purposefully, um, you know, it would have been a very, very bad time for that person because everyone knew everyone was sacrificing a lot, and everyone was focusing on the sole team to be able to, you know, not being a compromising position basically. Um, so I think that made everyone go switch on. We're here to compete. That's it. We know that this this games is is not as um olympics um ish with you know everything around competition um especially from the australian team and everyone being in unison and focusing on competing so um yeah i think that's what really caused it Um, and obviously we all competed very very well but before the fact like everyone just knew that we had been waiting so long to compete we went a lot of people went through a lot of things leading up to this competition and and going through it all getting postponed and all of what COVID was for for athletes and track and field athletes, we all understood that you know, this is a long time waiting and everyone's been dying to do this and we just had to be a team and support each other and just compete to the best of our ability and everyone understood that. So I think that's where the, the unity came from. Um, but for me personally, like I've always been a big supporter of um, everyone and just making sure that – you know, we're in a stadium that has no com- no spectators and you only had coaches and athletes that were able to come and spectate. So the more that you could provide that atmosphere and support while being at a games that isn't at home and a games that didn't have any support had to, you had to be there for other people, especially when you weren't competing. So yeah.
1: Close it out in just a moment with a series of fun questions we like to do it with. But just two quick things I want to uh, touch on. Uh, outside of your whole Brandon Starks roommate that you had, <laughs> got bit known for some of your lockdown videos, uh, Oh, maybe. God. They, 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 they we were go. kind of a bit of bit of fun did you did you have a favorite out there and uh kind of what what brought about that fun little idea
0: (laughs) so so like in my like in my past and stuff i've always made stupid videos um but it's always been on my like instagram story and and especially through snapchat and stuff when snapchat was a thing and you know i always used to make those silly videos um but then the videos that I started to make at the end, the more professionally made ones, um, I've never really done that. Like I had to write scripts for that. I was like, okay, wow. how have we got to, sh- how have I got to shoot this? You know, angles and, you know, making sure everything tied up cinematically, if we're going to call it that or whatever. Um, but yeah, I just, I. I wanted to try it and I knew that TikTok was a big thing at the moment and it wasn't, and it wasn't strategical either. I just kind of noticed that the videos that channel seven Olympics were doing and especially the ones that they posted of me were doing extremely well. And I knew the Brandon Stark thing was a big thing, but I never realised how big it was, um, especially back in Australia. So I said, "All right, well, I'll go on my TikTok and I'll make a couple of videos or whatever, just some funny ones." And one was like stitching the one with Brandon, Brandon jumping and me in the background like cheering mine, and then another one of me competing and whatever and obviously i'm in lockdown i love chocolate milk and i don't have it very often and you know obviously people see track and field i will athletes and they think don't do anything wrong and i was like no like we are relatable people like we're not all stiffs um we're not all people that can't live a normal life and you know and i think i just i showed people that you know people were like Oh, like Olympians like just do like things that I do as well. I'm like, yeah, dude, like I'm a sucker for chocolate milk. I love Nutella. Like, you know, I just, you know, I dedicate my life to something else and I put that on hold whenever I, whenever I need to. And so, yeah, I started making those videos and just having fun with that. And the Brandon Stark video that I stitched, it got 650,000 views and like 68,000 wow. likes. And I was like, wow. Okay time to focus on this a little bit in this two weeks because, you know, I'd be dumb not to. And yeah. And I just put some, I put, I dedicated the next two weeks on my social media and building that and, and having fun. Um, that was the main thing and making those fun videos and it was very, uh, you know, it was a big creative process in my brain just to be able to come up with new videos every time and like, you know, adapt new trends or new videos uh, videos to something that was specific to either being an athlete or quarantine or um, all that kind of thing. Um, but also even like the beard one where I shaved my face, like, you know, that was something that I just thought, hey, I, I potentially am going to trim my face. I look like a kid. Maybe I could make something funny out of that. And, you know, I just went through the whole creative process of that, which was really enjoyable. Like I really enjoyed doing that. Um, but it was also, you know, somewhat tactical in the fact that it was more relatable for people. My social media was doing way better from that. And I enjoyed doing that. And I also want to get um, build on my brand from a personality standpoint side of things because at the end of the day, like a lot of people don't really care about discus. And I totally understand that because it's not a mainstream sport. Like it's not a team sport. It's a very selfish endeavor. Um, but I know that people are very related to me in the way that like, you know, I'm a, um, happy go fun guy that enjoys, um, you know, good food and a, um, and a good laugh and having fun and stuff. So people care more about the per- like being relatable to a personality and, um, having fun with that. And I now realize the avenue that I could go down with that. And I'm going to do more of this stuff because people enjoy that. And I want to give people something enjoyable to, to watch and to, you know, see on my profile and stuff. So yeah, it was a, it was, it was a very big, um, a big thing because I was just like, oh, I'll do this as a joke in lockdown, and then oh, these are doing really well. And I was like, oh, this is really fun, and then oh, this works really well with my everything, so let's go for it. <laughs> so it was, it, it worked out really well for me in the end. So
1: you, you talk about re- being relatable. I, I've actually noticed a bit of a trend when it comes to a certain activity that you do, and another one that another fourth place finisher got, Mr. Peter Bowl. You're both actually mm. podcast hosts now. We talk this up. During uh during the games that if, if Peter was to get a medal we're like well hey hope for podcast hosts out there you know look at us we can we can medal mm. at the Olympics but is it just a case of podcast hosts can only get fourth I mean what what's the deal here
0: maybe maybe it's a maybe it's a consistent thing yeah no it's um. I actually didn't realize, Petey, had his, does he have his own podcast? He
1: does, yeah, he's, uh, I, I can remember the name that. of it, but um, yeah, no, he sort of, if you hit him up on social media, he sort of uh, tags it quite a bit. I must so. have,
0: I must be totally, like, him and I are mates and I totally didn't even know he had a podcast. How great's that? Wow. What a great mate. Um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't know. I've Yeah, it's, I'm really enjoying doing podcast stuff. Like, I've always wanted to get into radio and um, a lot of other stuff around that um, and presenting and, and podcasting was a really great avenue for that and then, the more that i did it the more that i realized that i just enjoy like fun chats with friends and but like, getting getting an actual narrative and getting something out there that was enjoyable for other people and that came back to that entertainment entertainment thing that i enjoyed doing so yeah
1: so what what give give your podcast a plug what is it what is it about where can people listen it's-
0: so it's it's actually the the whole idea about it's kind of changed um especially over like the last couple of weeks with quarantine and re- revising and all that um but basically so it's it's called inside the cage with Maddie Denny um and it's a podcast where originally i was solely focusing on interviewing successful people around um you know personality sports and all that kind of stuff where you know and creating that relatability giving people an insight to people that are very successful but showing that they're just real people that really enjoy what they do and and showing key trends about just enjoying what you do in, in in a whole um but now i'm actually going to focus a little bit more still the same thing but in a different format. So basically the way that I'm f- focusing it now is I'm going to have, continue having guest hosts on um, and Saki is going to be on the next one, but it's going to be more radio based, I would say. So we're going to have a few more segments where, um, you know, even you know, <laughs> prank calling athletes, prank calling a lot of people, um, you know, Q and A stuff from, you know, from our following and a lot more things that people want to hear and even getting, you know, call-ins and and doing it around that. Obviously it's not live, but um, I think that it's, Making it more entertaining because, you know, people obviously want to hear stories, but people also want to be entertained. So, if I can provide both, then that'd be amazing. So, um, yeah, check it out on Spotify. And um, I'm also doing a video version of it as well, which is on my YouTube. Um, and I'm also doing clips on my Instagram at Maddie Denny. So, yeah.
1: Beautiful, beautiful. You can maybe prank call some Austrian uh, disc and ask him about that. Yeah, some guy, I don't know who he is. Yeah. yeah <laughs> who, who's, who's going on there. Um, the yeah. Peter's podcast is called In My Spikes. So, Anyways, uh, oh yes,
0: I have seen that. I didn't realize that was his. Yeah, right. Okay, okay. I'll Cross get onto that for sure.
1: across and between there potentially kind of doing that. I that. Now we like to close off our uh, interviews. A series of fun, sort of get to know your questions. As we always explain, these are based off a Team Canada. Questionnaire they gave to their athletes before Rio and Pyeongchang and kind of just some yep. randomness here. Now, I've chosen here a Canadian javelin thrower from 2016, uh, Liz Gleedle. Not sure if you're Oh, you yeah, Liz, Liz, yep. Liz. I know Liz, yep. Okay, there you go. Good. Where You might be able to guess some of her answers maybe or just stick with your own. And there's always – there's homework aspects to this, mate. If you want to, there is – the ability to draw pictures. So, again, we always open-ended. If you want to draw and send it in, we'll share it on our social media. Right, but okay. So, All right. Letting you know that. So, Ugh. the first one here is draw a picture of yourself. So, if you want to, you're welcome to, and we'll share it. Ash My Werner, sketching ability is Slater. terrible. She did it. So, well, well, hey, we'll see how you go if you want to. Uh, your favourite, and you're allowed um, to answer your own Olympic moments here if you want to. What is your favourite Olympic moment? Cathy Freeman. Kathy so Freeman. So
0: generic, but it's just so amazing.
1: Oh, you can't go past it. So you really amazing, can't you can't beat it. it. Yeah, it's um as I said, uh, sort of whenever it's brought up, it's a, it's one of those moments where we all know where we were, uh, basically yeah. when it happened and kind of remember it. Yours will be the Kathy Freeman moment of Brisbane, though. Like you, by that point, what I'd ten love time that. world champion, <laughs> two time gold medalist, you'll carry the flag, light the flame, and win gold. Like all oh. living the
0: dr- live in the dream, mate. Yes. I'll have the biggest party after that. That's for sure. Exactly, Everyone's invited. Exactly. Put a buy on.
1: The Gabba will be renamed the Matty Denny Stadium by then. So <laughs> <laughs> just, just, good luck. Good luck pitching that. We'll, yeah.
0: we'll, we'll see. We'll see.
1: We, we have sway. Don't worry. We, we, we have, got, have sway. Yeah, okay. we got connections. <laughs> Both our listeners know people. Um, oh, if God. you could choose any Olympic host city, what would it be? Um, Alora. <laughs> uh, how, how would that go? Do you think? Uh, <laughs> oh
0: mate, you'd have more spectators than what the town is, so it'd be great. <laughs>
1: you'd probably have more spectators but, than uh, Tokyo, so I mean, yeah, you know, you're probably, <laughs> yeah <laughs> literally, I'm that. pretty yeah it'd be thereabouts. <laughs> um, in your spare time, what do you most like to do? Um,
0: play video games and photography.
1: Nice, good combination there. I like it. Um, mm. what is the weirdest instruction a coach has ever given you? Go that way. <laughs> Go that way. Quite yeah. open ended. All right. That works. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite workout?
0: Favorite workout. Um
1: max out max out what's max yeah, out How do, what's max that? out
0: lifting so going for pb lifts um and just basically pushing the limit and that right. also goes for like hard out throws as well like maxing out throws it's just basically just,
1: do the biggest you can sh- show off what's your pb in the lift come on you know impress people um
0: do you want me to give all of them or of like course, the most specific one? okay so <laughs> Best snatch is 125, best cleans 160, best behind neck jerk is one eighty. Wow. Best deadlift is two seventy-five. Best back squat is three twenty for a double. Wow. Um best bench is one eighty or one seventy-five. And best farmer carries is 130 kilos each hand.
1: I'm impressed that you just know them all off by heart. Like that's um, that's impressive <laughs> in itself. I mean, when
0: when you when you live your life trying to beat them all the time, it's kind of you got to know them because it's like they're they're literally the enemy. It's like nah, got to beat that. do it. I I can imagine you would be terrible
1: that. to play video games with. you'd be so bloody competitive that you just oh, wouldn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: I it, that is literally the fact.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, then. Um, if you could have lunch with any one person, who would it be?
0: Um. Oh, that's. Oh, um Chris Hemsworth.
1: Ah, good choice. All right. No. I'm sure your uh, your girlfriend probably would come along to that one too, or, wouldn't she? Or? Probably. Yeah. Probably. She'd be a uh, she uh, first in line. Um what is your favorite sandwich?
0: Uh favorite sandwich. Oh, that's a good one. Um oh, Just a simple ham cheese toastie bill with red onion.
1: Oh. a bit good of barbe- and a
0: bit of barbecue sauce. It's off. Oh. Yes. I like Best. it.
1: Yeah. underrated barbecue sauce needs to be more sandwiches people will use to think, yeah oh, we're I know. Have that but yeah no, it, it
0: has to be toasted though if you have yep. it if you have it dry definitely not but it toasted yep. it's mint
1: yep uh, another drawing here uh, draw a picture of a Canadian animal but I, I do love uh, Liz's answer here she's just left it blank and put an albino bear in a snowstorm so um <laughs> that- <laughs> that
0: works pretty well clever, pretty clever, yeah, clever.
1: Um, <laughs> if you could have any superpower what would it be
0: um Super
1: speed. Super speed. I like it. I'm actually just thinking back to your Chris Hemsworth answer. You could get him into hammer throw. That would be perfect for Chris Hemsworth. I uh,
0: I tried to make a atcom games. I made a hammer throw joke, um, saying two best hammer throwers in Australia, um, <laughs> and then I tat like I put him side by side with me as a joke. Never responded. So I'm sad.
1: Uh, Chris, come on. Chris, What's come on, going man. On? You should Jesus. definitely
0: know. A subpar He'll,
1: he'll be regretting athlete. that come the Brisbane Olympics. He'll be like, I could have been friends with him. Um, hey, he could know. have shown me how
0: to really throw a hammer. Yeah, then he'll be tagging
1: you in the future and yeah. you'll be ignoring him, you know. Fingers like crossed. Hey, when fingers his career crossed. falls down and soars. <laughs> oh, God, Chris. Um, the best candy in the world is...
0: Oh, you know, what's those um what's like those string ones? The long string ones that you get like at the um
1: yeah. at the shops,
0: and it's like the Coca-Cola um like oh, yeah. Like, like yeah, the yeah. stuff over it. Are they like the,
1: like the straps sort of thing? Kinda or? like
0: the straps, except for they're like tubes. They're like long oh, They're called Twizzlers oh in North
1: America, aren't they? I don't know what they're called here. Yeah. They're oh.
0: they're amazing. Yep. Okay. They're so good.
1: God, you're making me hungry. During well, season. Well, anything
0: by on? like, um, is it uh, by Haribo?
1: Oh yes, yes, like the gummies, the, Gunnies, by is the, the yeah. sours, and all. Yeah, so good. good, good choice. As a kid, who was your favourite sports team?
0: Um, oh, uh, I probably Broncos at the time. Are they still well- your team,
1: or have you gotten smart?
0: Um. <laughs> I I when I watch NRL now I don't watch for a sole team. Like I just I just watch it to watch it. Uh,
1: just watch it to watch it. I mean okay. if I was
0: going to back anyone I'd have to back Brizzy, though. Like obviously
1: See, I, I lived Brizzy in Brisbane. From Brizzy. Lived in Brisbane. I actually don't mind all the Brisbane sporting teams. It's kind of one of these plays where I'm like, mm. okay, I'll kind of get behind them, but I just can never get behind the Broncos. I just I just don't know what it is. Mm.
0: I definitely get behind um the Lions boys. Yep. Yep, they're, such, they're such a legend.
1: I got very close to the Gold Coast because I felt very bad for them and we'd often go to the Metricon and I uh, ended up in yeah. the Cheese Squad somehow. I don't even know how they were that desperate. <laughs> so um, I've got a big soft spot for the Suns. So I'm yeah, a cult no, supporter, but Suns are probably up there. Yeah. yeah. Um, your favourite sports movie is?
0: Oh, um, favourite sports movie. That's a tough one. Um, obviously, oh, remember the times.
1: Yeah, good one, good one. It's a goat asked this, movie. Always ask this question to athletes from sports where there's not an obvious sports movie, but is there a discus movie or a movie with discus in it at all? Uh, I think there is
0: one. There's one, like it's like a biopic of um, Al Lauder. So Al Order made I think five or six Olympics. Um, he's the most decorated like Olympic um, discus ever um, from America, um, but I've never seen it because I can't get it in Australia. <laughs> Right, okay. I can't seem to find it online. So we're
1: we're learning a lot about these kind of different ones. I mean, it's obvious when we have like a golfer on Happy Gilmore, or we've got a bobsledder on Cool Running. Oh, that is know.
0: actually what? What am I talking about? Yes, favorite sport movie is Happy Gilmore. What oh. am I talking about? There you go. I, Change it up. But <laughs> I totally like. I think I was just thinking serious and then I totally forgot Happy Gilmore, by far. I just don't know why I didn't say that. Happy yeah, Gilmore. Uh,
1: you've been on this show now for a bit over an hour, Matty. I don't know where you think the word serious fits in, but um, hey, like, yeah. you know, whatever you I want have to no answer. I no idea. <laughs> we'll run with that. It,
0: actually, that or Waterboy.
1: Ah, yes. Just, Adam Sandler. Bobby maybe Boucher. A go. Everything Adam Bobby Sandler. B- good, answer, good answer. <laughs> uh If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Uh,
0: oh definitely new york
1: oh yes great choice mm. fantastic Or anywhere choice. or
0: anyone like north canada
1: yes like like total snow snow north canada are you talking or? oh
0: like like um like Bant. Oh i yeah. love that yeah like like louise like that kind of like snowy but like mountainesque forest kind of stuff yeah
1: nice in summer nice in winter kind of you know yeah nice, nice balance just there.
0: pretty yeah
1: I love this question. This is a sort of a new one that's been asked the last few interviews. When you were little, what was one thing you always thought?
0: (laughs) That's a good one. Um, Yeah. What did I always think? Um, My God. What did I always think? I'm not sure. I'm actually stumped with that one. That's such a good question, though. What a thought provoker. Um...
1: I love Liz's answer here. She always thought her dad played for the Vancouver Canucks and didn't realize it was a real team. Uh, well, I mean, let's be honest, Vancouver Canucks aren't really a real team, but that's a whole other story. But um, that's, that's that's a
0: totally different story. My, I can't even give you an answer for that one. That's oh, there are a, there's a few things where like where I got older, I was like oh wait hang on don't tell the public that you thought that way um but um oh, i but can't like, leave that th- one
1: alone come on no, but like no but i can't think
0: of them though that's the thing i can't think of them i know i've had those moments but i can't think of the specifics so I'll have messages to later
1: i want this to yeah. come out you know finally uh maddie pleasure to chat with you you kind of alluded to your social media before give another plug for it where can people uh find you if they want to see all these great videos and send you inappropriate messages as well
0: uh, so Instagram at Maddie Denny, and then YouTube is Maddie Denny, and TikToks Maddie Denny, and Facebook is Matthew Denny. I can't oh, change it, so change that up a little bit.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, but no, go, yeah, go check it out. Yeah, <laughs> perfect, Maddie. It's been a lot of fun, mate. Really appreciate your time. Uh, we look forward to seeing you bring home the multiple medals at the next three Olympics, and uh, we'll get you on to chat about your gold medal win in Paris. How does that sound after the game?
0: No, perfect. Can't wait.
1: And a massive thanks there to Matty for his time. A lot of fun, and uh, definitely appreciate joining us here on the show. Only our second ever field competitor, if I'm not mistaken, after our Derek Drew and chat uh, a year or so ago. So uh, we we know how that. Turned out for Derek when it came for qualifying uh, ahead of uh, the Tokyo Games. So uh, we we know it's not going to be the case with Maddie. He's going to go on to great success moving forward when it comes to his next three Olympics. Because it's going to happen, as you heard in that chat. But again, thanks to Maddie for his time on the show today. Lots more interviews and episodes coming your way over the coming weeks. We have so many coming up. We are just filled to the brim with all these interviews. So the best way to stay up to date with who we've got coming on the show hit us up on social media off the podium follow us on all of those Facebook Twitter and Instagram and of course on all the podcast platforms search for off the podium find us on there Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify Stitcher you name it we are on there we appreciate your feedback let us know what you think of the show leave us a rating and if you've got any guest requests hit us up on the social media channels I just mentioned before let us know who you'd like to hear from on off the podium and we will track them down for you and see if we can get them on the show so uh, plenty of exciting things still to come on off the podium we get closer and closer to Beijing. We may be getting further and further away from Tokyo, but uh, we've still got so many athlete interviews from both the winter and summer games to get you in the mood for both. So uh, get pumped up, get excited, and keep tuning in off the podium. Thanks again to Maddie. Thanks again for you for listening. This has been Off the Podium. My name is Ben, and we'll speak to you next time. Good night. we